Welcome to Elevate, the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chester. I'm so thankful to have you here. And I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting with Dr. Mark Brackett today. You're going to love this conversation. I'm telling you, it's going to open your horizons. It's going to expand your mind. It's going to expand your emotional intelligence in a massive way. So very, very thankful for this opportunity to speak with the, the great Dr. Mark Brackett. And I uh, can't wait to introduce you to him and really dive into this conversation because emotional intelligence is maybe one of the most valuable skills that we can develop in our life, not only to live a life of fulfillment, which is the most obvious, but it's also a way for us to step into a more transformational way to influence other people, right? To lead other people, to, you know, build our dreams, right? To build our team, to build our companies, to, you know, to develop our real estate portfolio, you know, you name it. I mean, across the board, you know, understanding how to not only master our own emotions, but also be aware, be conscious of them, as well as have a map for what emotions other people are dealing with as well. And how can we, you know, be intelligent about that, be emotionally intelligent. So I'm really, really excited about this conversation. I uh, hope that you are ready to dive into an amazing mind expanding discussion. And I want to ask you the question, are you ready to take it to another level? Because I have no doubt today is that day. I want to welcome you back to the show where we sit down for mind expanding conversations with influential authorities in real estate, as well as top experts in other industries and disciplines. This is for leaders, entrepreneurs, real estate investors who have a burning desire for the extraordinary. It is our mission to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. We will distill the mindset, the habits, the routines, systems, tools, strategies, the emotional intelligence, and so much more from an individual like Mark Brackett, who is elevating to a life without limits so that you can do the same or even more for yourself and for the people that you care about, whether it's your your team, your family, your friends, you name it, you know, you have the opportunity of really anything, there is no limits to your future, if you're willing to be open minded, if you're willing to, you know, take action, and you're willing to course correct along the way, because guess what, there will be mistakes, there will be things that you run into, uh, that seem like setbacks, but perhaps they're set up for a comeback. And, um, you know, this is a masterclass for leaders and those looking to achieve uncommon results in purposeful outcomes through personal growth, through real estate investing, other ventures, through their mindset, through their beautiful, you know, mind, and most importantly, and ultimately in their lives. So if that's you, this is the place for you. If you're enjoying Elevate, you know, we invite you to subscribe, to give us a rating, a review. It helps us, but it also is a way for us to, you to give us a gift back of what feedback would you like us to know? Because we read every single review. We're super grateful for every single one. We are appreciative. I am so thankful to have the opportunity to share this message with you today and ongoing. So thank you for being here. If it's the first time you're listening to Elevate, welcome. Welcome. Just take this as a big virtual hug uh, from me to you. I just want to you know, build a relationship with you. I want to get to know you. I want you to understand sort of what I'm all about. And I want to know what you're all about too. So go and join us elevate podcast community on Facebook and let's engage there. And uh, that's a great opportunity for you to become a part of the tribe, learn more, you know, about these conversations, expand upon these conversations and really dive in deeper and, you know, build relationships, expand your network in a world of like-minded people. So I think that's a beautiful thing. So check that out. Elevate podcast community on Facebook. Of course, elevatepod.com is where you can go and find all the resources 
all the show notes, everything you can imagine for Elevate. It's all on elevatepod.com. And I'm also going to invite you to go check out Elevate High Performance Coaching Academy because Coach Trevor McGregor and myself are super passionate about taking high performers to the next level. And that's what Elevate High Performance Coaching Academy is all about. It is an eight-week process where we literally compress decades into days in terms of your performance, in terms of your outcomes, whether it's for your business or for your life. And at the end of the day, this is a program that Trevor and I have been creating for the past several years. And it's about compressing not only decades into days, but it's about going to the next level, right? It's about developing systems, developing you know strategies in your business, developing a vision, as well as amplifying that vision. And at the end of the day, it's about showing up and making those two millimeter shifts within your mindset, you know, within your health set, within, you know, really making quantum leaps within your business. So we're all about, you know, financial freedom. We're all about time freedom. We're all about location freedom. We're all about freedom to impact other people. We're about freedom of choosing relationships. So if you are all about that as well, then I invite you to go check out elevatecoachingacademy.com. We literally have a free masterclass, a free workshop that you can really go in and dive deep into this material and really get an understanding of what does this look like. But also, you know, you're going to get massive value from this free training. So just go check that out right now and uh, put your name on the list. And actually, you know, this it's a it's a workshop, it's a webinar. So you'll want to take notes and really dive in. But this is stuff that you can apply immediately. So whether or not you join us on you know the program that's totally fine it's it's your decision we'd love to have you but if not just go check out the workshop because it's 100 free you have nothing to lose and uh, everything to gain so definitely want to invite you to that elevatecoachingacademy.com go check that out and um you know also one other thing before we dive in here um if you are enjoying elevate podcast share this with a friend go out and post this on social media right now screenshot tag us tag elevate pod tag Dr. Mark Brackett, tag myself, tag your friends and let them know what are your top three distinctions that you're really taking away from Elevate Podcast. So with all of that said, I'm going to get off of my soapbox here and all of my different descriptions and everything. So I'm going to tell you all about Dr. Mark Brackett. Dr. Mark Brackett is the founder and director of the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence and a professor in the Child Study Center of Yale University. He is the lead developer of Ruler, an evidence-based approach to social and emotional learning that has been adopted by nearly 2,000 pre-K throughout the high, through high, school, high schools excuse me, across the United States and other countries. He has also serves as the board of directors for collaborative and academic social and emotional learning. And as a researcher for over 20 years, Brackett has focused on the role of emotions and emotional intelligence in learning, decision-making, creativity, relationships, health, and performance. He has published 125 scholarly articles and received numerous awards for accolades in his work in this area. He also consults regularly with corporations such as Facebook, Microsoft, Google on integrating the principles of emotional intelligence into employee training and product design. Most recently, he co-founded the OG Life Lab, a corporate learning firm that develops innovative digital learning systems on emotional intelligence. His mission is to educate the world about the value of emotions and the skills associated with using them wisely. I want everyone to become an emotion scientist, he says. We need to be curious explorers of our own and our others' emotions so they can help us achieve our goals and improve our lives. So that's what it's all about. And I know you're going to enjoy this conversation. So I invite you 
to enjoy this amazing conversation with Dr. Mark Brackett. Mark, welcome to the show, sir. How are you? I'm well, thank you very much. I almost feel weird asking you that question. It's like, how are you? It's like, oh man, this could this could go on for a little bit. I could I could get some uh, really in depth answer there from that one. But did I you, mean, if you, you want, I can that? give you the thirty five feelings I'm having at this very moment. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll get into that. But it's it's funny because as I was asking you that, I'm like, wow, this could be really interesting. But you know, one of the one of the reasons or one of the things that I like to kind of get started on these conversations is, you know who are you like to a core to the core, you know, it's a lot of times you say, well, how are you? But you know, who are you? You know, what are you all about? You know, because we know the public image, right? We know the public, Mm -hmm. you know, facing, you know, biography and all these things, and obviously, your work, but, you know, tell us a little bit more about Mark Brackett as a man. Oh, my goodness. I'm not I'm not sure. I I don't think that was in your email to me. Um, (laughs) I like to throw you off off guard here right so now we can now we're now we're playing what do you, you think want adjectives i'll give you some whatever i want however you know what i like the reason why i like this question is because it's whatever strikes your fancy like what who are you as a core like where did you come from like that kind of stuff or you could describe yourself you know if there's a high level but it's always interesting because it always comes from a different vantage point but i don't know what what strikes your fancy in terms of answering that question I mean, if I think about who am I, I'm a guy who grew up in New Jersey, who um, hated school. I had a lot of kind of trauma in my childhood that I've thankfully worked through. Um, And like today, I'm a 51 year old man who's married. Um, I have two puppies uh, that uh, are, I call them my COVID girls. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, and, uh, you know, I see myself, you know, as a, I mean, I'm a psychologist. So, I, you know, my, my obsession is with feelings and, you know, why we feel the way we do, how are we actually feeling, and how do we deal with our feelings, um, what influences all these things from our upbringing to, you know, our race and our gender our personality. And so I guess I'm going off topic of who am I, but like, who am I is, I guess, how I see myself in the world around me. Mm -hmm. It's a really deep way to explain it, because I think you've come from a vantage point of you understand, you know, how to describe yourself. And perhaps maybe you're there's still such an inner depth of exploration that you're going on, that I feel like you had a little bit of a hesitation to answer the question, just because you're still going through that adventure. You know, I think, you know, it's funny, because like, I'm kind of dare even say, I don't even know who I really am. Um, That's interesting. Because I just feel like every moment is so a moment, you know, and, you know, right now I'm talking to you about something that I'm not sure about, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and when I'm done with this, I have another meeting and then, you know, I'm moving. So like, mm. I'm a guy who's moving to the country, who is a city guy. Wow. And so I'm like, that's who I am now. Now I'm like a, a horseback riding psychology cowboy. <laughs> <laughs> right. And um, I don't know how long that's going to last because I've never been that person. So I may not even like that person, but yeah. that's who I'm striving to be this year. Um, you know, right now I do a lot of research and I wrote a book. Um, 
And I think of myself as someone who can do, I feel very, you know, like, I don't know, I feel very um, fortunate. You know, I can be a filmmaker. I'm actually co-producing a movie right now. Oh, that's awesome. Um, on the pandemic. And so my partner is a filmmaker and has spent the last four months on the road and filming um, hundreds of people and taking photos of over 2000 people to document like what 2020 was like for America, you know, poor, rich, black, white, um, gay, straight, tall, short, working, not working, and trying to unpack like, what does it mean to, to live in America right now? And I'm passionate about that project too. So I just, I'm like a, a self that's made of a lot of, a lot of parts. And I think we all are, right? It's just a matter of how connected are you to that? How, how conscious are you of the multi-dimensional aspects of yourself and that that's always evolving, right? You know, it's interesting. Like I look back on 2020 personally, and, and I, I definitely have transformed as a human being and the way that I would describe myself today is so different than I would, you know, 12 months ago. And I would imagine is the same for you, right, Mark? Completely. I mean, I never expected, like none of us expected to be, you know, in quarantine, right? you know, at home. Um, you know, I feel blessed that I have a job that I'm, you know, safe um, and that I can work from home. Many people can't. And so, but with that comes other challenges, right? It's like, you got to right, live right. with yourself. <laughs> right. You got you to look at your family a lot more often than you're used to. Right. No, I, I totally agree. And um, one of the things that I really enjoy about you is is truly your obsession with feelings. And okay. you know, as you kind of describe <laughs> that, and and the reason why I say that is because you know, to me, curiosity is one of the most beautiful things. Um, you know, that we we can all be blessed with, right? We have different curiosities, and that leads to perhaps different zones of genius and different contributions that you can bring to the world. But you know, I love your obsession with feelings. And it's, it sounds weird to even say that because, you know, on the surface, it's like, well, what do you what do you mean? Why would why would why would you love that about someone? But it's brought out this deep obsession, which has become, you know, profound and how you're performing contribution to many people, whether they're students, whether they're parents, you know, whether they're business leaders. And, and it's interesting, because, you know, with our hyper technological world that continues to compound on itself, you know, I feel like some people are, you know, highly enlightened or very in touch with their feelings. And most are not right. Most are not. And like when I go through an, a negotiation for, you know, a new real estate project, you know, 95% of the time, it's like, guys, can we just like take a deep breath here? You understand like, you know, why you're feeling a certain way. But, you know, could you tell me a little bit more about your obsession with feelings and maybe where that arise from and, and uh, kind of take us down that path? Sure. Um, well, I'm obsessed with people using their feelings wisely. So let's, let, I want to make sure we, we set it straight. There we go. Um, and the, um, I mean, with that is that you have to feel your feelings and experience them, of course. But, um, you know, I had a tough childhood, sadly. Um, if you've read my book, you know that I was abused as a kid by a neighbor, which was real painful. You can imagine being young and having, you know, that happen and not being able to disclose it. And so you have all these feelings that are trapped inside of you. And like, what do you do with them? So you eat them, you scream them, you hide them, you yell, you know, the list goes on in terms of 
what I might call unhelpful ways of coping. And to just not spend the entire time on that, you know, by some wave of a magic wand, when I was a teenager, well, just becoming a teenager, um, my uncle happened to be staying with us and he was a middle school teacher who um, was getting his graduate degree in the town where I grew up. And he would stay with us on the weekends. And little did I know, he was writing a curriculum to teach kids about feelings. And he would practice these feeling words with me. You know, he'd ask me questions about the moments that I felt alienated or ecstatic, you know. And for whatever reason, he was the person I felt the most safe with, like to share all of my struggles. And he wasn't, you know, the person like my mom was who was very anxious and overwhelmed and worried about everything. And, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. You know, that was my mother's response to pretty much everything in life. And my father was denier, 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 or, you know, kind of like toughen up, son, you got to toughen up. And it's funny because I always say, you know, now I'm a 51 year old, you know, I have a fifth degree black belt actually in a martial art called Hapkido. Wow. I still don't think of myself as a tough guy. <laughs> I'm actually afraid of my shadow, but I don't like to tell everybody that. Um, we won't tell anybody. Yeah, there you go. But um, I was blessed that Uncle Marvin um, was in my life and gave me the permission to feel, which is the title of my book. And I think it was that point in my life, you know, where I, I felt heard, my needs were met, I felt seen as a human being. And, you know, life got a little bit better for me in high school and college. And then I was questioning my own sexual orientation and I was bullied badly. And then I'm going to college. I graduate from college. I'm like, what am I going to do with my life? And I'm in therapy. And all of a sudden there's all this talk about self-help and emotions. And I'm like, oh my goodness. I think everything that Uncle Marvin and I did as a kid is like really something that's like a thing. And so I was very naive. I was 24. I called my uncle who was retired living in Florida. And I said, let's write a book together on all the things that you did as a kid and all the things that I think I know about, which I know nothing about. Um, and we spent years doing that. And that's what got me involved in going to grad school to study emotional intelligence and what really started my career to build curriculum and, and do the science. Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor and we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, and you know how much I love real estate and how it can be a vehicle towards creating any outcome that you want in your life, which is really why we created CF Capital, a real estate investment firm that focuses on acquiring and operating multifamily assets that provide stable cash flow, capital appreciation, and a margin of safety for our investors, for our partners, and for the people that we serve. Our team leverages its expertise in acquisitions and management to provide investors like you with superior risk-adjusted returns while placing a premium on preserving capital. Our mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors maximize their returns by investing in high-value multifamily communities. Our philosophy is that we can elevate communities together through this process. And I want to invite you to go check out cfcapllc.com because we have a free ebook that's called the bottom line, the 10 ways to increase cash flow in an apartment complex. And I want to tell you that this is a value packed ebook. So I want to want to invite you to go check that out right now at cfcapllc.com. I think you're going to get a ton of value just from reading this, whether you apply it to your own business, 
or whether you educate yourself further on what it would look like if you invested with CF Capital. So go check that out at cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com and enjoy the rest of the show. And, you know, one of the things that I think is really, you know, really interesting about emotions and just the role that emotions play in learning, you know, and the, and the reason I think about that is because, you know, I was never taught growing up that, you know, I needed to consider my emotions when, you know, learning new material, whether it's math, with science, you know, language arts, whatever, you know, I was never taught that. And I think I was never conscious of it until I became an entrepreneur. And I started to recognize that, man, I'm stressed out, I'm worried, I'm fearful, I have anxiety. And I'm like, man, this all like starts like boiling up to a point where it's like, I can't think I can't put together a sentence, I can't, you know, understand this opportunity, I can't lead someone else. And so, you know, to me, that's when I started to get really you know, passionate about it and fascinated with emotions and, and how they relate to not only our performance, but how we learn and how we grow. Because I, I believe that if you're not learning, you're dying, right? Or you're not growing, you're dying. And it's either you're expanding or contracting. And so that's why I think it's so interesting. And also you can connect with people on a higher level when you, you know, help them identify their emotions, right? When you help them, or at least you understand their emotions, right? Or they understand yours as well. And they can meet you at that level. So I think it's really fascinating. But could you talk about the role, you know, of emotions in terms of learning and growing and, and performance? Yeah. And so we all have these feelings and moods and emotions. And, you know, the theory of emotional intelligence asserts that, well, emotions have a function, right? They're, they're a smart system. They're not like many people think, you know, the aspects of your life that make you weak. But actually, when used wisely, they make you smarter. And so the question is, you know, how do emotions influence all aspects of our lives? And what I assert is that emotions are information, they're data, and that they inform our learning, our decision making, the quality of our relationships, our physical and mental health, and our everyday performance. And so the question is, well, how is that happening. Well, I use my own case study. So I was a CND student, right? And now I'm a professor at a place like Yale. So how is that possible? You know, and it's because I was so overwhelmed and stressed and anxious as a kid that my ability to learn was sacrificed. I was in fight or flight mode all the time. I was in survival mode. I don't care about the Roman oligarchy. Like, I just want a friend. I want to get home safely. So like no one's protecting me. Why am I supposed to be present? How can I be present in my classroom when someone's tormenting me behind your back, teacher? And so what I think is important about what I just said is not my experience, which is my experience and everybody has their own experiences, but it makes you realize that, that it's not the child's or the individual's job only to develop these skills. It's about the environments that we're in whether it be your home, whether it be your classroom, whether, you, whether it be your workforce. And so I see these skills as being um, embedded in systems that either are pro the development of these skills or not. And you know, my example of being a poor student in middle school, um, knowing that I'm pretty smart, but it couldn't function academically, but also realizing that like, like my teacher, didn't you see my facial expression? Like I was not looking happy. 
And teacher, didn't you see that kid who was like tormenting me behind your back, you know, in the back of the classroom? Like, how can we do anything about it? And so I, I, I hope you see what I'm getting at here, which is that like emotions, right? We know they are critical for our attentional capacity and learning. And yes, I have to have the ability to deal with my own feelings, but the environment that's surrounding me also has to really care about this to support the development you know, of the child's emotion skills. Right. And so that applies to all decision-making. You know, we like to think, for example, you know, that we're rational creatures. You know, like I chose, you know, this because my thought process did that, but feelings are always underneath our decisions. And one study that I did years ago, we randomly assigned teachers to be in different mood states. And then we asked them to grade a paper, the same paper, whether they were in a happy or a sad mood. And then we found there were full grade differences in the evaluation, but that when we asked them, do you believe that how you felt had any influence? 90% said, no way. Why would how I feel like I grade papers all the time? So what that tells us is that how we feel influences our judgments and decisions, but oftentimes outside of conscious awareness. No, that's so interesting. Go ahead. Yeah, so there's this endless stuff, you know, same thing with the, the role of emotions in relationships. You know, like you have a, a friendly facial expression, just so you know, right? You Thank smile, you. You, you seem to, you know, you make me feel welcome and warm. Um, well, I don't think it make me feel warm, but you have a warm, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you have a warm feeling, you know, that you create for the space. But I'm sure you've been with people who like, you know, when you, their facial expressions, their body language, their vocal tone are like, yikes. Mm. You know, like, I don't want to be around that. Yes. And so that's our emotion system giving us information, you know, approach, avoid. That's happening all the time in workplaces. Um, and by the way, I'll just skip a little bit into the future, which is we've done studies on this where we show that supervisors who are more skilled at dealing with their emotions have employees who are much happier, much more inspired, much less frustrated, less burnt out, etc. And so, you know, we can go on and on about the science of how emotions are inextricably linked to things like mental health um, and performance. I mean, you know, one of the things that surprised me as a professor here at Yale is that, you know, every student has, you know, high SAT scores. So they're all academically very gifted, but do they all reach the their ultimate success in life? And the answer is no. And so, well then I guess their academic abilities are not as predictive as we all thought they are. And so, they may get you in, but they don't necessarily get you through life because the right, criterion right. for success, right, in this aspect of their life, getting into a college is different than success with relationships, success with um, their jobs, uh, achieving their dreams. And what we find all the time is that people who don't have the skills of emotional intelligence they can't deal with their feelings, like the disappointment, the frustration, the overwhelm, right? It's hard to be successful if you can't deal with your feelings. You know, if, I, if you're going through something really hard in life, a death of a loved one or a breakup or um, a project that just falls apart, 
Like it's feelings that need to be dealt with, not necessarily thoughts. Yeah. And, and I'll talk about a, a formula that, you know, that I'm aware of. And you tell me, maybe you, maybe you'll rip this thing to shreds. But if you think about thoughts lead to feelings, which then lead to emotions, which then lead to motivations, which then lead to actions, which then lead to results. I don't know if you believe in that or agree with that formula, but it's something that I think about a lot. And what I think about is how can I, you know, visualize the result and feel the feeling ahead of the occurrence, perhaps, and utilize that and perhaps, you know, make some quantum leaps. I don't know if you agree with any of that, but, and I've got a couple other things I want to go into, but what, what are your thoughts about that whole formula there? First, I have to remember it, but, um, <laughs> I know it's a lot. No, it's thoughts, feelings, emotions, motivation, behavior. Action. Yeah. Actions, results. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's fine. You know, the, um, it's not for me to judge, but the, you know, whether it always happens in an order, maybe not. Right. Um, you know, like sometimes you have a, a feeling that you don't even know where it came from. Um, sometimes, you know, oftentimes our emotions occur without thoughts. They're automatic responses to things that happen subconsciously in our minds. Right. Um, but I think the general idea, you know, is that for our, for like our work is that all these things are so inextricably, inextricably linked, mm -hmm. you know, motivation is related to emotion, right? When you feel inspired, you're more motivated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, when you're bored, you're less motivated. You're not maybe, <laughs> you know, people think of boredom as a negative feeling, but like boredom can sometimes generate creativity. Right. You know, no, that's great. So emotional intelligence, I mean, how, how do you measure emotional intelligence? You know, because I believe that if you want to improve anything, you first need to take an inventory, you know, at least of where you're showing up right now. So how would someone, maybe if they're they're kind of, all right, I get it. You know, emotional intelligence is interesting. You know, it's important. You know, tell me now, how do I, how do I take an inventory? Is there anything that you would point them to? Well, it's hard. And uh, our team, in collaboration with a good friend of mine, at the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School of Business. We've been working on these assessments for five years now. And so I think first we have to define it. You know, what is this thing that we call emotional intelligence? And at our center, we use the ruler framework, which is recognizing, understanding, labeling, expressing, and regulating emotion. And so the recognition piece, you measure it in complicated ways because you know, measuring facial expressions, which used to be done like with pictures, right? You'd take like, how am I feeling? <laughs> you know, and I'd be like. If you're watching just, on YouTube, this is phenomenal, yeah. by the way. I love the facial yeah. expressions. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, you know, you know, happy, sad. And they're like these caricatures. And so most people get that right. But that's not the way we express emotions. Like you've ever been in a meeting and someone's like not agreeing with you, but they, they're trying to hide it, but it like leaks. But you can feel it. Yeah. You yeah. Can feel it. Yeah. It's like that subtle, like kind of, you can see me right now. Is this kind of like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is so the little, good. The little nose thing or like a little. Yeah. Yeah. Little, a little, or they like kind of like tilt back a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And so the test that we've built measures emotion perception through those subtle expressions. And so they're little, they're videotapes of people doing two second demonstrations of emotions. And we've got hundreds of them. 
uh, we've narrowed it down to about 30 to give you like your emotion perception score. And then, for example, for the understanding and labeling of emotions components, um, it's looking at things like the reasons for your feelings, like anger is about injustice and fear is about danger. Then we have a task where we do, we have cards and we all emotion words and we ask you to put them in piles of related categories to see like, do you think of everything kind of like is negative positive uh, or do you kind of get more granular? Do you see the difference between like peeved and irritated and livid and enraged or uncomfortable, you know, um, jittery and overwhelmed and panicked? They're positive right. ones too, like excited and ecstatic versus calm and content and peaceful and tranquil. So we're looking at people's, the way they see emotions. Right. Um, and we're working on the regulation task, which is situations, you know, so let's say right now you said something like, you know, Mark, you're a blank, you know, or go <laughs> I would blank yourself. thank you. I can't, I, I don't know if I can handle it at this time, but um, do I just go like, well, blank you and now you're blank you and now you blank me and the blank is, or do I take a breath and say, you know, Tyler, something feels off right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, maybe we can, maybe we should just take a break from our podcast and, you know, come back and like share what's going on. Mm -hmm. And do I have that ability to like kind of be with the unpleasant feeling um, that's confronting me, which would be like interpersonal emotion regulation. And then my own, you know, like then pandemic hit, I'm sitting in my room. I'm um, anxious. Like how do I deactivate um, so that I can be my best self? in this right. podcast. So it's about having a having an understanding of the perception of emotions within other people and then probably taking it a next step is to labeling that emotion within yourself. And from there it's about, you know, it's about having the awareness, right? Have the awareness, Correct. deal with it, speak to it, label it. But let's talk about training, right? You know, cuz one thing that I'm passionate about and, and maybe this is something that you'd point to is is mindfulness and you know, meditation and, and listening, right? You know, really listening to what is that? Where is that coming from? And really kind of observing. But, you know, could you talk about some forms of training in terms of if we want to, you know, elevate our own emotional intelligence? You know, what, what, what other suggestions would you have? Sure. Well, the first is, you know, without being a shameless self promoter, you can read my book <laughs> called Permission Absolutely. to Feel. Which, by the way, we'll put a link in the show notes 100%. Appreciate that. Um, because that's my 25 years running around the world trying to get people to talk about their feelings. It's all in, one, <laughs> it's all in 250 pages. Um, and really, you know, what I focus on in the book, which is the training also, is one, like, what does it mean to give yourself the permission to feel? Two, how do we strive to be emotion scientists about ourselves and other people as opposed to the emotion judges that many of us are or grew up with? And then how do you develop those skills of R-U-L-E-R -E and, and apply them in schools, homes, and workplaces? Um, a big part of my career has been spent developing an approach to social emotional learning, which is what the school work is called, called RULER. Uh, we're now in almost 3,000 schools around the United States. And, you know, it's an entire approach from preschool to high school with teachers and leaders and families, all with content, you know, like 
we have tools. Like one of our big tools is called the mood meter, which you've seen in my book. And it's this four colored quadrants with emotion words. And, you know, you can get a tattoo of the mood meter if you want. <laughs> um, you I, like hang, I don't see a mood meter poster in your room yet, but it's, it's coming. Don't worry. All right. It's coming. And so you can do mood meter placements to have conversations at dinner with your wife. There you go. Um, and so it's about infusing you know, these skills and principles into teaching and learning. And then I was fortunate to found a company a couple of years ago called OG, OJI Life Lab. And um, it's a digital system for developing emotional intelligence. And what we do with OG is that we have an app um, that has different modules for learning, like the role of emotions in decision-making and relationships and health. They're these 10 minute modules. Um, and then there's coaching because you really do need someone to support you in developing these skills. And oftentimes it's not the person that you love the most. I don't know about you, but like, it's hard to like develop a skill with the person with whom you might be having the problem. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, and the other thing too, is that I don't know about you, but we, at least myself, sometimes I form these mental constructs that basically tell me that I should be feeling this way. And you know, this is the right way to approach it. And you know, you shouldn't change because if you change, then you've been making all these wrong decisions before. And this is all subconscious, you know, inner voice, right? This is mm -hmm. all, you know, the construct. I mean, and so what you're saying is get out of your head, right? You know, allow somebody to support you and hold you accountable towards that growth. Is that what you're saying? I am and, and talk through it, you know, get feedback, you know, share, you know, so for example, you know, oftentimes when you're going through a difficult moment where you don't know how to manage your feelings, like it's hard to come up with a solution for yourself because you're lost right. in the feeling. Now, granted, if you have good strategies like breathing exercises and mindfulness and you understand principles like positive reappraisal to help you kind of like, Mark, come on. You got to look at this from a different perspective. There has to be another way. This is an opportunity to learn and grow. Like, oh, I don't know about that one today. <laughs> but, um, you know, that could be a strategy. Or, I don't know, but sometimes you just got to call your good friend and say, can we just chat for a little while? I'm like really stressed out. Yeah. And so I think what's interesting about managing emotions or regulating emotions is that it's this like endless journey. Um, it's just endless journey. And um, some strategies work well some days and not other days. Some strategies work well for some emotions and not other emotions. So for example, when I'm really pissed, I kind of like, Mark, come on, you got bigger fish to fry in your life, like let it go. <laughs> okay. But when I am like overwhelmed, or when I'm feeling like deep despair about something, it's not that easy for me to think about stuff. You know, I call friends and I'm like, can you just distract me for a little while? <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever think it's weird to have those calls with friends and be like, hey, I'm the guy who wrote Permission to Feel. <laughs> and I'm like, I need to get out of my head on my feelings right now. Do you ever feel weird about that? I'm just curious. Well, it's funny. I'm running a virtual book club right now and there's like a couple thousand people in it. And I've done a couple of them before. And people are like, well, how are you feeling? I'm like, I am completely emotionally bankrupt right now. 
Wow. And I was like, but wait a minute, you're, you're supposed to be our teacher. And I'm like, I can still be your teacher. It's okay. I'm just like not feeling so great. Like there's a lot of crap going on and it's, and it's not, you know, I'm just trying to be real with you. Yeah. I'm not a basket case. I'm not falling apart. It's just like things are not, I'm not feeling so hot. Like the, I think that's one of the biggest problems in life um, is that we think that we always have to be happy. And, you know, firstly, like, I think that's not in my genetics. And so, you know, I strive to be content and have well-being. Um, happiness is a tall order. Hmm. And so I do want happiness once in a while, of course, but like constant state of happiness, like, I don't know, I'm around people that are like that. I'm like a little annoyed by them, to be honest. <laughs> um, and so I think being real with your feelings is so important. But as a leader or a manager, what's more important is that you demonstrate skill, you know, in dealing with the feeling. And dealing with the feeling doesn't mean not having it. Mm. Dealing with the feeling means that you're not allowing the feeling to take over everything that you're thinking about and doing. Right. Which is a total, total superpower as far as I'm concerned. And, Completely. you know, not only, not only can it impact your decision-making, you know, your learning, your performance, your communication, um, your mental health, and, and in my opinion, fulfillment, right? You can live a life of fulfillment, which is not the same as happiness, right? Mm -hmm. Because for me, you know, fulfillment can be, you know, growth or contribution or, you know, um, experiencing something new, right? Having a great conversation like this, you know, getting to know each other. Um, and, and it can mean something different for some for so many other people. So, you know, a lot of times you think you don't think about what are our outcomes here? What are we looking to accomplish, whether it's in professional life or personal life and relationships? I think that's a big shift is thinking, well, what are we looking to accomplish here? And I think fulfillment at the end of the day is is important to strive for. And it doesn't mean you're always in pleasure, but you're maybe growing, you're maybe yeah. experiencing something new. And, and that's all about all these different feelings, right? Well, think about it, you know, on the journey to achieving big things in life, like it's not going to all go smoothly. No. And so part of it is accepting that, you know, just acknowledging that up front, you know, you have to be able to deal with life's ups and downs. And sometimes you're in control of those downs. And sometimes when a pandemic hits, you're not in control of those downs. Right. Hey guys, I just wanted to take a brief time out from the show, this incredibly mind expanding discussion to speak to the high achievers, the high performers. I wanted to speak to those who have a burning desire to go to the next level and beyond. First of all, I hear you and I see you. When I got started as a real estate entrepreneur, fresh out of my W2 corporate job, I was excited and jubilant to create and design my future. At the same time, my business and life was filled with confusion, filled with fear, doubt, uncertainty, and to be honest with you, sometimes even sleepless nights and hopelessness, even while experiencing what many would have considered substantial success. Ultimately, I mustered up the courage to hire one of the world's top high-performance business coaches to work directly with me on creating strategies, systems, and profound shifts towards accelerating my multifaceted performance and to become an industry leader. After years of investing significant resources into myself and in my business through this process, I am now paying it forward as a high-performance coach to those who feel called to elevate to the extraordinary. Wherever you are right now, you know deep down that you have it within you to be great. If you're someone who's seriously looking to elevate your business, your real estate portfolio, your cash flow, your deal flow, your network, your net worth, 
your lifestyle and ultimately your life right now and ongoing for the rest of your life, I have a message for you because if that's you, then I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. I have limited coaching spots available to guide people like you who want to substantially close the gap from where you are to where you want to be. These are first come first serve and demand high touch one-to-one focus from me directly to you. And this is not for everyone. This is only for those who are decisive, committed, and willing to do whatever it takes. It's only for those willing to play full out and invest time, energy, and resources into themselves to achieve greatness in real estate investing and beyond, which is what we're all about on this podcast. This is for those defiantly inspired for transforming as an empowered, limitless, and unstoppable human being in full control of their and their business's future. If that is you, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com where you can apply for this life-changing opportunity. We will then schedule a discovery session where we will directly discuss what's working, not working, and how we can work together to accelerate your future. With that said, enjoy the rest of the show. And and the other thing too on that is, and I'll th- I think about like the law of polarity, right? Up and down, you know, high and low, um, black and white, you know, night and day, female, male, whatever. I think of that and you're talking about, you know, you're not going to, and I believe this, you're not going to experience the highest highs without at times the lowest lows, right? Um, and so I think looking at it from that perspective can help you regulate it. But is there anything else, anything else you'd add to that? I just think, you know, there's so many strategies, you know, for example, uh, working out is a strategy. I've been actually lifting heavier weights lately. And um, it's like the like it's like I'm done with like this, like doing like squats with these like heavy weights. And it's it's not really in my personality to do this, but I'm <laughs> determined to like do it. And it's like afterwards, I feel totally exhausted, but also like accomplished. Mm-hmm. And and what I know and what we all should know from research is that like there is a physiological and psychological benefit to that experience. Um, eating, you know, food and mood are inextricably linked. Sleep, like right now, I'm I'm quite tired, and I apologize for my maybe lack of strong voice. But um, <laughs> the uh, when you think about sleep and like your body needs to replenish in order to be at its best self. And so a lot of people, for example, say, I'm trying my strategies, Mark, I'm trying my strategies, but I'm so freaking irritable in the morning with my kids. Or when I get to work in that first meeting, I'm a jerk. And I'm like, well, how was your sleep? Oh, shitty. I'm like, oh, Mm. there you go. Your barrier to healthy emotion regulation is you're not getting enough sleep and you're just depleted before you even get started. And so I think we oftentimes um, think of, you know, we keep our minds, like when we think about emotion regulation, we think of like anger reduction and stress management. We don't think of like exercise and sleep and nutrition as all contributing to social relationships. So, you know, best example I have is this idea of positive empathy you know, that, you know, oftentimes, you know, we, we show empathy when things go wrong, you know, like, oh, Tyler, I'm so sorry for what happened. You know, I feel, you know, is there anything I can do for you? Like if you were to share something and that's, that's showing empathy, but you know, how often do we get someone say, Hey, Tyler, you know, like, 
really, it was cool for you to invite me on your podcast. I really appreciate you letting me have a voice, you know, to your people. And um, I really appreciate that. And then you're like, oh, like how many people really do that? And I noticed that I had two relatives pass away from COVID. Really, really sad. They were older, but way before their time. And I posted those things on social media. Thousands upon thousands of people wrote their condolences, which I was, you know, grateful for. And then like about a month or two ago, I was on CBS this morning. It was cool, right? My program, my career, five people maybe texted me like, congrats. Wow. Like, really? And so it's not that I need it, but it does feel good, right? To get a compliment. It does feel good to be, to for someone to just let you know you're seen and heard. And so what research shows is that longitudinally, speaking when we reflect back it's those positive empathy moments that we remember the most hmm. and it's those moments that actually change our perceived connectedness to people so we're going to actually feel stronger connection to the people that engage in that positive empathy over time than we do the people who engage in that traditional kind of empathy when there's a misfortune that's really fascinating. And the reason why I think it's so fascinating is because, you know, one of the things I've been pondering, you know, especially since the pandemic hit was that it seems like, you know, it's so apparent how human beings are driven by fear, and perhaps negative emotions more than positive emotions, they're driven more perhaps away from something negative, than pulled towards something positive. And, and of course, there can be both. But could you speak to that at all? I mean, do you think that that has anything to do with the empathy that you were shown in both of those different scenarios? Well, you know, I think that we fear, you're asking about the fear piece? Yeah, and just the drive and just the reason why you had more people reaching out to share condolences rather than the congratulations piece right in that, that yeah, scenario. I think, it, I think it has to do with our what we'll call schemas around positive and negative emotions, which is that negative or unpleasant emotions, right? There's a signal that something has gone wrong and you need help or support. Mm. Whereas, you know, if you were to ask me how I'm feeling right now, ask me, Tyler. How are you feeling, Mark? Fabulous. <laughs> right? We, okay. You're like, cool. You don't really want to inquire much. Mm -hmm. Ask me again, how am I feeling? How are you feeling, Mark? Hi, right, Tyler, you don't even want to know. It's oh my like goodness, how can I help? Fear, <laughs> fear overwhelmed, frustrated, anxious, depressed. <laughs> right. Yeah, and then you're like, oh no, like why I'm did like, I ask the question? <laughs> I'm like, all right, man, well, uh, have a great rest of your day. <laughs> yeah, but you know, in general, you know, if you're a parent, you know, you're gonna solve your kids' unpleasant feelings. Right. You're not gonna embellish necessarily the pleasant ones. And if you do, you tend to do it like in that inauthentic way, unfortunately, you're like, great job. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm so proud of you, as opposed to being specific, you know, in terms of, you know, I really appreciated the way you phrased that question. It was actually really cool to get me to think differently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so point is, we don't want to be, you know, engaging in toxic positivity but we do want to spend a little bit more time embellishing the good things in life. I think it's just great to have a practice of awareness, right? It seems like a, a huge part of this 
you know, process of growth is having the awareness of how are you feeling, right? Permission to feel. But, you know, one of the things that I, I'd love to dive in with you a little bit further is integrating this in training. And, and mm -hmm. also next to that, I'd love to know, you know, your experience of working with some of these, you know, large tech organizations um, and sure. how that's kind of worked as well. Yeah. Um, and so the way I think about it is that the training starts with the self and then, you know, the group and then the context and then the larger workplace. Um, and so I'm not really a fan of like the, the one shot workshop because, you know, I've done a million of those and, you know, I enjoy them and I like doing the big keynotes at con conferences. And I do think they're helpful. Sure, you know, they, sure. They're their motivation piece. They're the inspiration piece. They're like, oh, wow, that's cool. That's interesting. I want to do it. You know, then people can read a book and go deeper. You know, some people will underline and highlight and set goals for every chapter. You know, they'll <laughs> join my virtual book club and they'll like make goals for every week to develop their skills. And then there's, then there's the life practice, you know? And so I think in the workplace, what's important is setting daily, weekly, monthly goals for developing the skills. And so, you know, how many managers in their weekly, monthly meetings are setting goals for each person or asking every person to set goals for healthy emotion regulation? I don't think it's that, um, that present. No. Um, and well, come on, Mark, we're talking about revenue here, man. We don't have time for feelings. We don't have time for that stuff. It's like, come on, we got to make more money. I agree. Um, which is what they're, which I would imagine is what people are saying to you, right? Correct. And then I say, well, maybe you'd make a lot more money if you had a more emotionally intelligent group of people working in your organization. You know, I always, I'm really picky about like hotel check-ins. Um, I'm always, you know, the emotion scientist going in and seeing like, how am I going to be treated? And you just, you know, it's amazing to me, you know, how unskilled certain people are like, oh, your room's not ready yet. Come back later. I'm like, okay, how about I never come back here again? <laughs> um, or at a restaurant, you know, when, if you wanted like, oh, I didn't really, well, that's what you ordered. I'm like, okay, thank you very much for reminding me what I ordered, but yeah. it doesn't taste good. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know can you listen can you can we have a conversation here can you like i'm going to be the one that tips you do you know that do you realize <laughs> right. that how you treat me you know um, motivates me or not to leave more money and so i just think oh my god it's, it's mind-blowing to me how little attention we put into helping organizations especially like uh, people facing organizations, customer service kind of organizations, like it's all emotional intelligence. Yeah. You know what it makes me think of is what Maya Angelou said. Look, it's not, you know, you will forget what people said to you and they'll forget, you know, things that they told you, things that they shared with you, but you will never forget how they made you feel. Yeah. I can give you the exact quote because I memorized it. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. Give, please, because I always butcher quotes. Please. People will forget what you said. People forget what you did, but people will never never forget how you made them feel. All right. We'll edit that part out because you just absolutely made me look terrible there. So thank you for that. No, you that was. You should be able to ha handle your feelings. It's okay. 
No, but um, it is true though. I mean, and people, even if you're not conscious of this, right, you start to, you, you, you remember how people made you feel. It's like, well, you have a memory maybe. of them and our minds tell us, well, that was a terrible experience, right? Whether it's, it's like, the, your... whether it's the barista at the coffee shop, the person at the front desk of the hotel, the waiter, it's everybody, you know, the real estate, a car, you know, you go to buy a car and the person is really pushy, you know, and you're just like, oh, you know, come on. I'm always right. a sucker, though. I was, I just got a new car, and I was like, I just want, you know, I study people like you. And <laughs> of course, I got suckered into the whole thing, but oh my um, gosh, yeah, that's so funny. Is there anything, um, any big like realizations that you came across through your research? And I know you continue to research, you continue to expand the bounds. But is there anything that you've been really surprised at uncovering through your work? Just and if the if the question goes flat, then that's okay. But I'm just curious. I think, you know, that sustainability is the hardest of all. You know, people get excited from the workshops and the trainings. People understand that these skills matter. But we, as adults, right, have spent, um, as, 50, as a 51-year-old right now, you know, I spent 50.999, you know, years of my life rehearsing some of the most unhelpful ways of dealing with my feelings. And so I'm just not going to like unlearn them and relearn the new ones tomorrow. It's like hard work. And it's also not cognitive work. It's emotion work. What I mean by that is that intellectually, I can give you a 3,000 strategies. I know a lot of freaking strategies. I mean, I've read a whole book on these strategies. But yet, you know, when my partner comes home and says something that triggers me, I can't remember the strategies. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I, sometimes I'm not even motivated to use them. Mm -hmm. Like I want to just, you know, you know, do something that's going to make me sleep alone that night. <laughs> and And then... I'm like, shit, Mark, you're the director of the Center for Emotional Intelligence. Come on. <laughs> you could have used, didn't you? Come on, you're supposed to know this stuff. And I think what I've learned is that, you know, in my research is that we're human. We make a lot of mistakes. It's really hard to develop the skills of emotional intelligence, but it's really worth it and that we have to make it our life's work. Absolutely. No, that's extremely powerful. And thank you for being authentic and, you know, open with that, because it's interesting, because sometimes it's harder to take our own advice, right? And I think it's great that you opened up and really showed that um, for what that is, because I think everybody listening can recognize that there's something that they would give advice to someone else, but then in practice, they're not always perfect. And giving ourselves a little bit of space for grace is extremely powerful as well. And, you know, it's all a course correction, right? Let's notice and let's try to do better next time. Uh, man, I love this. And and I really have enjoyed our conversation, Mark. I, I guarantee you. we could go on for hours and hours and hours, but <laughs> I know that you've got people to impact and things to do. So I want to be respectful of your time. But um, before we go, I want to transition into our rapid fire section. We call it the rare air questionnaire, right? You know, this right. has been a, a rare discussion in many ways. You know, a lot of people don't want to talk about their feelings. They want to talk about, hey, what's the next, uh, you know, what's the next deal we're going to do? Or what's the yeah. next... You know, it's like my brothers. They just want to talk about the stock market all day long. Oh, my God. Did you buy that? Did you sell that? Oh, my God. Did you see that stock? I'm like, yeah. guys, come on. 
It's like, hello, I want to let's talk about how we feel here, you know, because at the end of the, you know, what's interesting about that at the end of the day, they want to talk about that. But at the end, like under all that, it's a feeling that they're getting based on things they bought in the stock market or real estate mm -hmm. deal or whatever. Do you think that's interesting? This was not planned, by the way, but um, I do. Um, that's a whole nother conversation, though. OK, <laughs> well, that'll be part two, Mark. So we'll go to right. that one. So talk to me as a prolific author yourself. Um, if you had to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read over the past couple of years or so, and it doesn't have to be related to emotional intelligence or anything like that, but is there anything that you'd point to? Yeah. Um, I think the work on anti-racism is very important. So Ibram Kendi's book on how to be an anti-racist has been very important to me. Um, the new Surgeon General's book um, called Together, around social connection. That's Vivek Murthy's book. Um, those are the two that really just stand out right now as the ones that I've focused on. And a good friend, um, Lisa Feldman Barrett, wrote a book called Seven and a Half Lessons About the Brain that I really appreciate too. I love that. That's awesome. We'll put links in the show notes to those. I'll check I'll check all three of those out myself. And I just, I love your empathy, right? Your, 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 your compassion and your passion for being empathetic and continuing to grow that. So I think that's really admirable. Um, you know, if you were to point to two or three of the, you know, the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis outside of what we've already talked about today, is there anything that, that comes to mind? What do you mean by elevate my life? You know, show up in a better capacity to maybe, you know, own your feelings uh, in a better, you know, in a more conscious way or, you know, just continue to grow, right? Or grow your capacity or grow your relationships or what, what have you. I would say that, you know, it sounds cliche because everybody talks about it, but I really focus on gratitude. I literally never thought I would be in a position I'm in. I never thought I would have a home that I have, a car that I drive. And so I just like, every day I'm just like, wow, like this is cool. I didn't get here alone but I'm really grateful that I've got what I got. I was wondering if we would go there at any point in this conversation, because I do get that answer a lot during that question. And uh, I was curious to see if that would come up for you as well, because it seems to be a way for us to develop some sustainability in you know, our emotions. So I think that's really powerful. What's the biggest way that you elevate others around you? I try to, like, for me, in the where I'm at professionally right now, I feel like my job is to help other people figure out the ways to achieve their dreams. So it's more like co-constructing, co-problem solving, um, because I feel like I've reached a great place professionally and I feel everybody deserves to have that, but you need help. And so, and it's hard to do it alone. And I just think that whatever I can do to help people, I want to do. Well, and I'm sure that uh, you didn't get there alone, right? And uh, I don't know about you, Mark, but the more I give to others, the more I also receive, which is an extremely powerful paradox as Completely. well. So I'm sure you're getting that. But uh, my goodness, Mark, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I really look forward to part two one day. But mm -hmm. are there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you share with Elevate Nation today? I just want to say, give yourself the permission to feel, you know, become an emotion scientist and work on those skills of emotional intelligence and recognize that it's life's work. There it is. Drop the mic. <laughs> Mark Bracket, everybody. Uh, my goodness, what an amazing conversation. Mark, uh, where, where can the listeners, um, you know, learn more about you, find your book? Of course, we'll put links in the show notes, but if you want to drop a few 
Uh, yeah, I think places. everything can be found through my own personal website, which is just uh, Mark with a C, M-A-R-C, bracket, B-R-A-C-K-E-T-T.com. And apps and books and life labs and all the rest. Well, again, I just want to honor you for the work that you do, uh, for the light that you are in this world. And my goodness, what a powerful, powerful conversation. Extremely important, really. And I want to encourage Elevate Nation to re-listen to the show uh, because I don't know about you, but sometimes when I re-listen or re-read something, I, I learn something new, right? Maybe the the new student was ready for a new learning. So I want to encourage you to re-listen to the show. Repetition is the mother of all skills. So I want to encourage you to, to do that, but also pay it forward right? You know, share this with a friend, share this with your network, who would really, really benefit from gaining a deeper understanding of their emotions and how they're showing up, and that they can really lead other people in a better capacity. So I want to encourage you to share this with someone else. But at the end of the day, the most important part is to, you know, gain that sustainability by taking action. And don't beat yourself up when you don't constantly own your emotions, because the man, the myth, the legend here, <laughs> Mark Brackett can't even do it all the time, right? So we can step into a greater ability just by putting this into action. So with all that said, Mark, I just want to thank you again for being on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. Elevate Nation, thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.